are we ready to go again? Sure. Okay. We should do a uh, well, whatever. What's that? Nothing. Tell me. Tell, no. God damn it, Ben. This is this is going to be a podcast of secrets. <laughs> podcast of secrecy. I'm so mad. I'm so angry right now. And missed opportunities. <sighs> You're hurting my feelings, Ben. Could that be our tagline? Welcome to episode number 128 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games. My name is Cole Ross, I'm your host, and I am joined over Skype today by... David Moneysmith. Ben Merkel. You can never decide on the order. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, for joining us here this week, you guys. Uh, what do we have in store for you? We have a very Nintendo-heavy episode, at least for the quick hits. They had their press conference, their pre-TGS extravaganza here the uh, earlier this week. So we'll tell you uh, the pertinent details of what happens there. Going to talk a little bit, a little bit about what, what we've been playing, and uh, then we're going to have a wild card segment at the end here. So uh, unless you guys have any objections. Uh, shall we continue? Let's get it on. Uh, Let's get it onward. In case you don't know, the quick hits are where we talk about video game news, but we do it really, really fast. Uh, like I said, all of this week's news will be in relation to Nintendo and their uh, pre-TGS press conference. I assume we're going to have more TGS news to talk about next week. But uh, this week is now, and now it is time for the coin noise. The NPD numbers for August revealed that Nintendo sold 185,000 3DS units, which is a low number compared to uh, the past successes of the original DS and its uh, subsequent iterations. The company recently issued a statement, however, saying that the price drop increased sales by 260%, which cast the previous sales uh, pre-price drop in a very dismal light. We're going to put uh, three minutes on the clock here. Uh, so basic economics, you reduce the price, people will buy more of it. That's, that's one of the things I gained with a college degree. Exactly. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, it seems like they made the right move. Uh, I don't know what the 3DS costs them to manufacture, um, but, uh, you know, get this thing in the hands of more people and, you know, maybe more people will play, you know, make games for it, more people will buy it. Uh, just seems better for everybody as long as you know people can get their hands on it. Do you think that this was a response to uh, Sony's PSP Vita uh, uh, announcement slash fiasco? I'm not sure Nintendo is capable of caring what other game companies do. They kind of just seem to do their own thing, which is often good. But I mean, I think they just kind of do what they think will be fun. <laughs> Making money is fun, and they weren't doing it before. <laughs> I would say that if they if they did do that, then they would probably care more about the PS Vita than PlayStation does. <laughs> Ouch! But they're putting out all kinds of new announcements but, and stuff like that. Good. I th I think that they probably more did this to get the ball rolling on the 3DS, just to get yeah, as you said, get it in the hands of people, and now people can start actually playing the games that are coming out for it. Yeah, yeah, it, I think it. I think it makes a lot of sense because you know for the 3DS, it seems to me like their average buying profile or whatever is someone who's like say about to go on a trip and it's like hey i've got this thing i should get a game on it to play on the airport plane or something you know, know that sort of thing in the airport or on the plane or the airport plane <laughs> on the airport plane <laughs> yeah no you're right i mean have you have you guys been to an airport and seen the uh the like the best buy uh yeah yeah. yeah yeah those are kind of cool i almost bought a ds at one even though i had one with me it's kind of like <laughs> makes me feel like i don't know blade runner year yeah, some yeah. Movie. like a, like a robot but no, I just kind of like wonder. I wonder how it would feel to spend 150 dollars in a vending machine. On a vending machine. Yeah, yeah. I was in uh, I was in Dallas, Texas, looking yeah. at one. I was like, I was very seriously considering. <laughs> I, I did. I I decide that the next like major purchase of that type, I'm going to drive to an airport and do that. <laughs> I don't think they let you into the concourse without a ticket, so that could be a very very expensive iPod that you buy. 
Still totally worth it. Did you want to see what the robot arm did? How it moved? Yes. I, I kind of did. I wanted to see if it, if it, if it like, was a nice voice. Have you ever noticed, like, uh, like have, you, have you ever gone to Kroger and uh, noticed that the voice gets nicer after you scan in your, uh, your, your loyalty card? Yes, I have actually. <laughs> well, you know, uh, well that's that's our time. Um, but you know, like before you do it, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, welcome to Kroger. Please do this. You scan the card that it says, "Welcome, valued customer." Please, yes. da, 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 da. it's like I think it's a very sublim- subliminal, subconscious uh, effort to endear you to their uh, to their in- information mining strategy. So, you guys, uh, what's the what's the verdict here? Are you any more compelled to buy a 3ds? I am more compelled by, well, by the price drop and by another reason, which we will get to later. Okay. Understood. David? I, I love the, um, the original DS. I, one of my favorite systems of all time. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd consider it. Okay. 180 bucks. I'm still waiting. I still want to wait for the, re- <laughs> for the redesign. Um, that, that would be my. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Nintendo is really good at getting it right the second time. Um, Nintendo's um, press conference also um, confirmed that they're bringing out an attachment for the 3DS that will add a second circle pad to the system. Um, There's going to be several games that um, will support it. Um, Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, Metal Gear Solid, Snake Eater 3D, and Kingdom Hearts. And that's the Um, reason why I want to get a 3DS. (laughs) Which of those? Because that's like five reasons. Metal Gear Solid, okay. uh, Snake Eater. Okay, is that a more com- is is uh, Snake Eater 3D more compelling than the uh, than the 3D or the uh, HD remake that's coming out on the PS3 uh, later this year? Ooh, that's a good point. And that's gonna ha- that's gonna be like forty bucks, and it's gonna come with uh, two, three, and Peace Walker. And on PS3, you're gonna be able to download the original as well. Oh, See, man. was the original <laughs> apparently not 3D? Well, like I mean, in in this case, it's the uh, it's the 3D that the 3DS provides as part of its oh, display. Okay. So it's not 3D as in like, oh, this is polygons instead of pixels. Well, I guess it's oh. still pixels. Damn it, I'm all muddled. Uh, but <laughs> but um, the other part of the announcement, though, is that um, it the second pad snaps into a ungodly large <laughs> attachment for the device and will run on a AAA battery, which I've got to say, can we just, like, come together, maybe the UN, and, like, officially outlaw AAA batteries? Well, it's nice when you need something really tiny. <laughs> yeah, like, when you buy, like, need one of them and have to buy, like, a 20-pack. It's, anyway. <laughs> it's just weird that this is going to require a battery, because I don't know if it's going to drain from the battery or not. Like, the system's battery, which is already woefully small. Okay, I'm going to put another three minutes on the clock. Let's uh, let's see what happens here. Have you seen... So, we, we've all seen the pictures of this, then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is, it's, it looks like something like, like Voltron. It's, it's literally the size of the 3DS, and it makes an already somewhat bulky system even bulkier. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, if they did... The ergonomics, well, if it you know fit in your hand, something like that, maybe it could be all right. That's it not look- looking for a silver lining, but <laughs> you know, may- maybe it'll be all right. It looks a little jank, is what I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. Like it doesn't look sleek at all, you know. Like it looks like it would be like a Mad Cat's attachment. You're- yeah, more than anything, it reminds me of like the um, the uh, like magnifying glasses and stuff you used to be able to like plug into the. They would snap. So, they would snap over the top of your original Game Boy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it reminds me of uh, the Game Genie on my original Game Boy. Actually. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like to me. It just doesn't look like Nintendo stuff. They've had such a great track record of having really, really good industrial design over mm-hmm. these past couple of years. So I want to ask you guys. You know, what do you think? Knowing what you know, I mean, shouldn't they just like? call a mulligan and then release a 3ds like the the 3ds Lite or whatever has this thing just baked into it maybe that's what they're going to do i mean maybe it's a strategy ah <sighs> man i i wouldn't want to be somebody who bought a 3ds on day one they they nintendo has not been kind to them yeah. not, not one bit you know but, uh, um 
I've got to say, though, from a gameplay standpoint, though, I feel like this could be pretty big because, you know, it would finally allow a first-person shooter, third-person shooter-type controls. And, I mean, the whole um, pseudo-thumbstick thing was probably the only feature I liked of the original PSP. So, I mean, having two of them, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of cool. No, that makes sense to me. I mean, it would it would it would be a good thing, especially like if a if a company was saying, okay, we have this much of a budget for ports, or you know, for ports of our game from one system to another. <laughs> it would make it easier to make an adaptation of a, a third person or first person shooter for the 3ds than if you just had the one stick and had to figure out how to get around that. I don't know. It just seems it seems like the lines between the 3ds well. And the PSP are becoming, like, a little bit blurred. I guess the 3DS still has the edge on it in the fact that it's 3D, though. Yeah. Um, and it's not um, a PSP. I think that's a huge factor we can't <laughs> And that's our time. When you were talking before about people's budgets for ports, yeah. I, th- I thought you were talking about the drinks. <laughs> like the, you like, oh, you mean, like, wine? Yeah. Drink too much of that, you get gout. <laughs> Is there a budget for ports? Is there a budget for Merlots? Well, now it's time for a couple of miscellaneous announcements here, uh, especially regarding the 3DS. Super Mario 3D Land, which is the most awkward title I think they could have come up with, is coming out on November the 13th, and Mario Kart 7 drops on December the 4th. I don't know why they're just now switching to numbered installments for Mario Kart, but moving on. <laughs> Kid Icarus Uprising, Paper Mario, and Luigi's Mansion 2, however, have all been pushed back to 2012. In addition to this, they announced Mario Tennis, uh, which will be coming out sometime in 2012. And finally, Nintendo announced that they will attempt to get the 3DS into more girls' hands by releasing a, quote, misty pink system in Japan this October. Uh, We're going to put another three minutes on the clock. What we got? For some reason, misty pink just does not sit well with me <laughs> no no it seems uh it, se- it seems strangely vaginal um, yeah <laughs> I- i'm gonna come out and say it i'm not uncomfortable with the word it just uh they, they, it seems like they could have uh, chosen a different adjective for that yeah um you know yeah. sp- sparkly pink or you know power pink. actually do, do did power a Google pink. search trying to find pink mist and fail <laughs> i found very many disturbing things i hope never to see again yeah safe but. search it's it's fun um <laughs> yeah misty pink it doesn't yeah yeah just makes me feel a little bit creepy but that's a strategy that's worked for nintendo in the past you change the color and more people buy it n64 you remember like it had eight different colors by the end of its life cycle yeah especially oh, yeah, that, some that, of those were cool. that hideous uh translucent purple yeah. I didn't like that. That didn't sit well with me at all. Um <laughs> I think I was just sore though because the Game Boy Color I had the translucent pink Game Boy or translucent purple Game Boy Color and I wanted the blue one. But uh man, I remember when the when the pink DS and the black DS uh DS Lite rather came out. There was a there was a fucking rush for those. People people wanted a pink and black DS for their little boy or the or their little girl. Um, how about the uh, Mario Tennis? Mm, I love me some Mario Tennis, especially uh, Mario Tennis and Mario Golf. I think those are both underrated franchises. See, are... Whenever I played Mario Tennis, it just ended up being a very awkward first or third-person shooter, so <laughs> I didn't enjoy it much. You're not supposed to aim for the person. <laughs> eh. But if you can hit them, that's your oh. point. Yeah. Ben? Uh, I was just going to say, I, I never was too huge into the Mario Tennis 64 or uh, Mario Golf 64, so doesn't exactly interest me, but I know some people who are very much into those, so I don't know. Those are really good um, kind of basic sports games, kind of like how I don't like Gran Turismo, but I'll sit down and play Mario Kart all day, you know? Yeah, this this is where we need Dennis here, that, like, his M.O., as his roommate for many years, his M.O. is, like, getting hopelessly addicted to these sorts of games. Yeah, we need to get him in here. We need to get him hooked on this stuff. He has so much more free time now that he's married now. So now that he's married and has a job, it's a, he's just, <laughs> we need to, he needs something to fill his time. I'm kind of disappointed, though. I, uh, Super Mario 3D Land, I was hoping for, like, maybe a Flatlander sequel, but no. Nothing, nothing related <laughs> to that. Just a really awkward title. 
I get the title. I get it because the the, the game itself is kind of a takeoff or spinoff from from Super Mario Brothers three, um, kind you know kind of like uh, the new Super Mario Brothers was, and uh, so so I get what they're going for. Super Mario three, comma D Land, um, <laughs> but man, if that's not just the most awkward thing in the world. See, I yeah. feel like what happens if we acronize that? That I feel like that could maybe be. And 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 anachronismized like like when like when that one director put uh put motorcycles in Shakespeare. All right, so the last quick hit that we have is about the new Zelda game, which I just found out comes out on your birthday, Cole. Yeah, that's lovely. Amazon wish list updated. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the new game, Skyward Sword. I think up until this week. Maybe all all I had seen is the uh, the one video that they posted like maybe a year, year and a half, two years ago. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where they first explained the concept of the game, and I was like, oh, this looks a lot different than uh, Twilight Princess. So that kind of turned me off. But upon seeing the most recent video that came out this last week of Miyamoto doing a demonstration of the game, uh, I'm a little bit interested now. Um it, it definitely they changed the style of it. It looks cell shaded, and as I commented before, it looks more closely like uh, Wind Waker, but for the updated consoles. I feel like, um, and yeah, in the video, it kind of shows all the different things that you can do uh, with Link, and it it seems like they really run the gamut on uh, how you can interact with the the Wii controller. It looks pretty impressive. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? I thought it looked really neat. Um, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. You know, I reminds me of some of the um, oh sixty four three D games. You know, the Banjo Kazooie stuff like that. Kind of has that sort of look. Yeah, I like the look. Um, it looks kind of like a moving watercolor or a moving oil painting. Um, it's it's subtly cartoony. Um, it- Although Link is getting dangerously co- close to mullet territory. <laughs> yeah, he does kind of look like he looked at the beginning of uh, Twilight Princess um, in some of those uh, some of those areas there. Yeah, yeah. But I think we're burying the lead here. What did Miyamoto, what did Miyamoto say about the uh, about the gameplay length? Oh, know, sorry, it's in Japanese. Uh, <laughs> he said that the game contains between fifty and a hundred hours of gameplay. And there we go. We're going to put three minutes on the clock, not a hundred <laughs> minutes, and we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry that I did not notice the lead to the story. I thought we were just going to talk about Skyward Sword. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I think that's I think that's pretty noteworthy. I mean, it's it's kind of bold to come out and say fifty to one hundred hours of gameplay. Um, a for a casual system, and B in a modern game in general. I mean, how many hours did you log into uh, Twilight Princess? Ben? Far too many for it for me being playing it in uh, somebody else's room. So. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I think I think eventually, I mean, at least the law state squatters' rights and everything's that was your room. Um. <laughs> Do you guys remember this period of my life at all? This was in this was in Turner, and uh, they had a copy of it down the hall in one of their yeah, rooms. I know which room you're talking about. If I remember correctly, the the only or one of the main reasons it went down is he would use that to lure us in so that he could then own us at Smash Bros. Oh, okay. Wait, the, wait. He he, being the inhabitant of that room. Yeah, the guy who owned it. It, okay. it was, in the words of Admiral Akbar, it was a trap. Okay. <laughs> was he hustling you? Like, oh, guys, you know, take it easy on me. I'm not very good at this. No, he was pretty upfront about him being good. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. But uh, no, I very regretfully I played the entire game of Twilight Princess in their room. Okay. So. But anyway, I'd say that the amount of time I sunk into that game was at least upward of 20 hours, at least. So, See, because yeah, I, never, I, I never beat it, so I couldn't tell you how long it was. And, you know, with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, it was when I was, you know, young enough not to care that this game was taking up that many hours of my life. Yeah, exactly. David? See, I really wonder about the 100 hours, just because, I mean, what does... I want to say, like, it seems like an average playthrough of, say, like, World of Warcraft from, like, low level to, you know, high level fairly established takes at most, say, like, 75 hours. And that's a game that's entirely based around using up unreasonable amounts of time. 
So I, I really wonder, you know, what's what's going to be the 100 hours, you know, what that entails. But I mean, it's kind of nice that it's not doing the, you know, some of the Call of Duty, you know, like three-hour campaign thing. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, it would it would be ridiculous if there was a Zelda game that had three hours uh, of of, of well, uh, true, game true. in it. Is it, it almost seems like we're beyond like making the making the number of hours that this will take you to play uh, a yeah. bullet point on the back of the box, just because there have been so many great experiences that were awesome in spite of the fact that they were five six hour games. You know, see, I I always wondered in those ratings what they did for like strategy games for that because like it'd be like you know your average like final fantasy tactics it would have to be like over six years of gameplay (laughs) (laughs) to do every single thing i don't know it's it's a discussion that we've had before like the our relationship with game length and like what we're how much time we're willing to spend in a game it might be worth uh revisiting at some point but that kind of uh kind of raised my hackles a little bit seeing the 50 to 100 hours as something to be proud of uh thing so, are, do you not like the fact that it's that long? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm usually of the opinion that uh, most games could stand to be about twenty percent shorter. Uh, even like your your average game that's like eight or ten hours. Yeah. Okay. I think that there's always something worth cutting, but that's just uh, that's just me. Follow up question: Portal Two. What would you cut from that? <laughs> And uh, I'm uh, muting. <laughs> uh, sorry, David. You haven't have you? You still haven't played that game yet? No. I, I would okay. cut. I, okay, it's it's fine, David. I won't I won't spoil anything. <laughs> I, I would cut some of the some of the portions in the in the middle act where you're kind of grouping around for the way to get to the next test chamber. Gotcha. Um, I, I felt like the, those were times where the where the pacing really sagged, but that was that was just me, and that game was otherwise completely delightful. That was probably the only amount, the only time where I didn't have a smile on my face when I was playing that game. Yeah, I'm okay with the fifty to hundred hours because at least in, with their last game, Twilight Princess, like every moment that you were playing was a pretty quality moment, okay. and like even if you were doing something completely random and. I don't know you like a mini game of sorts you know like it was still like nice and fine-tuned and presented well so that's why I'm hoping it is is that they just you know a, a lot of the um previous Zelda games it seemed like they just had a lot of like random heart containers you could go after and you know things you could see masks you could find stuff like that so I mean if there's a lot of like optional fun things you know that that could be kind of cool yeah i mean just uh if if you decide to explore every nook and cranny that would be the way that you would get that upper end of the 50 to 100 twilight princess was one of the first games where it felt too daunting to try and do everything that the game had to offer yeah you're you're a you're a completionist at heart so that Mm -hmm. is that is that that is definitely a statement for you So, guys, what you been playing? Who's going first? So, Ross, where have you been playing? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what I've been playing. Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see here. Well, for the Watch Out for Fireballs program, uh, I have been playing Mist. Now, if you would like to uh, make a comment about Mist, you can go to the uh, to the Watch Out for Fireballs Facebook page and uh, make make your comment there. It could be read on the air, and if it is a good one, we will uh, we will uh, award you with a copy of next week's game. But uh, what you know, since since we're going to talk about it on that show, I won't talk about it here. Don't want to spoil it, but I will talk about Riven, which is the sequel to Mist, <laughs> which is the tagline of the game. Yeah, it is right. <laughs> it's <laughs> they really wanted people to know that. <laughs> yeah, they they need they didn't want to call it Mist Two, um, yeah. but they but they needed to put Mist in the title so it would sell. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing game. Uh, it still holds up. It still looks amazing even today. Um, if you're willing to look past the fact that it's all pre-rendered 3D, um, and if you're willing to look past the, uh, since it is a game that was made in the 90s, it does have full motion video, but the acting is not atrocious. Um, but it continues kind of the world building that is established in the original Mist, and just really starts fleshing out kind of the mechanics behind the fiction and all that. Have either of you played um, these games? I've played Mist, but not I have really. not. You have not. I, I, I genuinely, I, I heart, heartily recommend it. 
I, 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 I seriously out. do. I mean, yes, you have to recognize that it's a game that requires a lot of patience. The uh, in Riven, especially, um, you know, it's it's kind of this wide open sandbox type thing. You're given two specific um, instructions. You are supposed to uh, trap the villain and rescue uh, the. You're supposed to rescue Atrus's wife. Like you're told to do those two things, and you you're dropped in. Uh, the stuff that you, that you brought with you is taken from you. And you have these five islands to walk around and, you know, figure out what you're supposed to do. There are three journals in the entire game, including one that's given to you at the start. Um, that kind of fills you in on the story. But everything else, you have to fill in those details by observing the environment and, you know, figuring stuff out. And the, the solutions to the main puzzles, uh, none of those are given to you. You have to kind of puzzle it out by looking for symbols and learning the... Uh, the the Denis number system, which is in base twenty five, and I could probably count in it for you if I had uh. a pad of paper. <laughs> and you learn it when you walk into a schoolroom. It's like okay, there's a little game, and you press a button, and uh, and it has like two like hanging men, and it pops up a symbol, and then they drop down one notch for every for every you know number that that represents. So if an eight comes up, drops down eight, and you just have to do this a bunch of times until all the numbers come up, and then you realize okay, well there's that. Fortunately, it doesn't make you learn the alphabet. That comes later. Um, <laughs> but this is really, really in-depth stuff. Um, yeah, nice. Sounds cool. I like it a lot. I mean, and the coolest thing, the, like the best thing I can say about this game, the thing that speaks to it, is that, you know, the first Mist was this way to an extent, but this one really, really does require you to keep a notebook. Does, um, did you ever play the, the online one they made? Um, I'm actually, like, monkeying around with that one right now. Uh, the the Uru, um, I, yeah. I, I, they they had it on sale on Good Old Games uh, a while back, like a couple of weeks ago, and that's when I got all these again. Um, but uh, messing around with it, um, it's different. It's full three D. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about it, but I haven't I haven't played enough of it to know. I think I need to go back. I need to replay the first uh, five or the first four, then Uru, then five, because that's the order that the, that the narrative goes in. Um, in order to really appreciate it. God, I love the story in this game. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, does the narrative continue from Mist into Riven? Yes. Is there a connection between the characters then? Uh-huh. Yeah, so so, you, so you've played Mist. Have you beaten Mist? Yes. You have. So you... So you it's, so you... it's easy to beat Mist. <laughs> if somebody tells you how to beat Mist, it's very easy to beat Mist. It's, it's, hard, it's really hard to lose at Mist, in fact. Yeah. It's, you, it's... you have to work so hard to lose at Mist. It's possible to get endings where you die, um, but uh, you know you can. Are be... there are there endings where you die, or are there endings just where you get trapped? Where you get trapped. Um, okay. <laughs> I have no mouth by my scream or whatever that. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very unnerving game, and, and Riven is is unnerving as well. Uh, very frightening because uh, all the villagers on the island they're they're terrified of you because you're an outsider, and uh, the guy you're there you're the guy you're going after who's who's Atrus's father. Um, has basically told them that you're the devil and anybody who opposes him is the devil. So, you know, you're walking in these villages which have quite obviously been very recently um, abandoned. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the again, the, the, the father, he's, he's, he's watching you, you know, from various places around the, around the island. So there will be times where you very, very nearly catch him or you'll look up at a camera and the camera will turn off, you know. So yeah. along with the sense of, like, you know, solitude, and a little bit of horror and missed one. You know, that this one definitely is solitude, loneliness, and just utter, utter paranoia, especially when you realize that, oh, that's not, you know, a children's toy. That's actually a torture device. Stuff like that. Huh. So um, it's not a game for the faint of heart. Like I said, you definitely do need to, uh, you, know, you, you know, use a notebook, take notes, make maps, especially, because a big part of the uh, solution to the game is figuring out where everything is in relation to everything else. Um, do you... Do you remember the rocket ship part in Mist, or the like, where you're on the track? Oh God, that puzzle! I hated that, part. that puzzle! Yeah. So, well, what, I would... I, what I want you to do, Ben, can you can you save this and then write that on the uh, Watch Out for Fireballs wall? I could. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to cut you off, but we're. That's like the, this, that's you... the third time you've cut me off tonight, Cole. I'm sorry. It's. <laughs> is, I'm cutting you off, man. This is a intervention for Ben almost. I'm sorry. I am so very sorry to be rude. But can you really deny you need it? 
It's true. Good point, Lenny yeah. Smith. Okay. So yeah, I've been playing. I've been playing Riven. Um, it's amazing. It'll run on your computer, especially if you get it from good old games. Uh, I need to see if they can sponsor us because I talk about them quite a bit. Um, I've also been playing a game. Uh, it's it's a it's a freeware game on the on the PC. It's called The White Chamber. Have either of you ever heard of this? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nah. It's a point and click adventure game. Um, it it takes me. It took me a, a, a minute to get over the obnoxious anime visual style, especially in the character design, uh, which is unfortunate because I think the rest of the game, it's, it's pretty compelling. Basically, you're this girl, you wake up uh, in what amounts to a coffin in a space station, and you have you, these labs that you're walking through trying to basically figure out how to get out. It's like an escape the room kind of thing, except it has this really strong horror overtone, undertone, something like that. And even though you're only in a couple of rooms, they keep changing behind you and progressively deteriorating in this kind of Silent Hill-esque way, uh, uh, complete with like hallucinations and things like that. I don't know if I would recommend it um, if you're not a fan of A, horror, B, point-and-click adventure games. Um, especially from a technical level, because it it's it eats my save files, like I and I have to go search and find them and put them back into the folder, which is really annoying. Uh, but it has a bunch of endings. I just got one of the bad endings before I came on to record this here. But uh, you can't beat it for free. It's like a three hundred meg download, and uh, I would recommend it, especially if you're trying to figure out like what uh, uh, you know point and click adventure games are about, and you don't want to you know drop ten bucks on Monkey Island or something like that. What's the name of the game again? The White Chamber. Any further questions about that? I really hate bad endings. <laughs> I like <laughs> them though. But just uh, the, the the entire game, you know, it's 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 designed to be played in a very short amount of time. I get that I get that sense. I, I died because I failed at one of the challenges. Um so bad ending in this case was just a game over screen that had a special animation. Um, but oh, okay. uh, well, that's not too bad. It, it, it takes from the nine hours, nine persons, nine doors uh, approach to uh, adventure game design in that you start with no information about like the situation or what's happening. And uh, as you go through different replays, using that information you got from the bad endings, you uh, work your way to the good ending. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, that that's not bad. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting at the very least, especially uh, you know if you like indie games or games that that, that don't uh, quite fit the the mold of what you would normally see. Yeah, the I'm looking online. the The visuals look interesting. I can see what you mean with the um, the anime for the characters, although the actual um, environments look pretty um, pretty well done, especially when they start getting fucked up. Uh, when they start, and it, it really, the, the the deterioration is definitely inspired by Silent Hill, like down to like blood on the walls and uh, you know rusty chain link fences, but that nope. doesn't bother me because I love Silent Hill. So nothing mirrors. <laughs> exactly. Are there any wheelchairs in the game? Haven't encountered one yet, but I would be very surprised if there wasn't. <laughs> I mean, and just and it takes advantage of a of a kind of horror that that really kind of gets to me because you have these five rooms and it does it goes out of its way to f- to familiarize you with them as you go along. Um, I get really kind of scared in, in the House of Leaves kind of way when when stuff changes behind you as you go, um, yeah. and you'll come back only to see that something is different than that was than it was before, and mm-hmm. this uses that basically to its fullest extent. Like, the scariest moment in Silent Hill 3 for me was when you, you know, were trying to find Leonard in the uh, in the hospital. Okay. And, you you know, it's, it's a hallway that you've walked down, you know, a million times before. But when the event is triggered to, you know, you get the phone call from him saying, find me at the end of the hallway on floor number two. You keep going and you look at your map and you think, okay, well, there's going to be a wall there. I don't know what's happening at the end of it. And then you see that it continues on beyond where the map was. You know, like, there was no longer hallway here before like that creeps me out for some reason yeah oh, yeah i can i can definitely relate to that yeah it, it messes with your I mean, sense it's, of the it's, familiar. it's subtle yeah it, it, and yeah it just messes with your sense of the familiar and uh you know i like that or you know i, I guess biologically i hate that which is why i'm afraid of it but it's a it's a type of horror that speaks to me like you know ghosts and stuff that doesn't really you know speak to me oh speaking of that kind of stuff uh ben i read 1408 Oh, yeah. What do yeah. you think of it? I liked it a lot. 
It was um, it was a really good haunted house story, and I have the DVD of the movie uh, behind me right now. I'm going to watch it tonight. Have you seen the movie before? No, I have not. See, I saw the movie first, and then I read the book, but I liked the movie better, and I don't know if it was just because I had seen it first or, mm-hmm. you know. So enjoy. It'll be fun. Yeah. Samuel Jackson's great in it. <laughs> Does he play the hotel owner? Or Yeah, yeah. Okay. I figured. Yeah. Okay, so who wants to go next? Uh, I can... I can talk. Okay, talk to me. I have the ability to speak. <laughs> Until I cut you off, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Not, maybe I don't have the ability to speak tonight. For now, you do. Yeah. Um, so I have. Well, I started a job. What is it, like last week? So that's been really interfering with my video game time. So apologies to the podcast. But um, I have been playing Fallout New Vegas, and I've been. I've finished that. So I. Uh, I actually ended up beating the game last week sometime. Um, have you guys played this game? I have, um, but I would like to note the irony of you saying, I just got a job. Uh, why don't I go play this 100-hour wide-open sandbox game? <laughs> well, I started playing it a couple of weeks before I got the job. I know. I'm so. just, I'm just, you know, yeah, po- po- pointing know. it out. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of being a hypocrite. No, no, I know. I never do. I, <laughs> my progress in the game abruptly halted once I started teaching. So, mm-hmm. um, so who'd you side with um, in that? I ended up siding with Mister House, but that wasn't the decision I wanted to make. Oh, I so, think I think you default to Mister House. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, I played it to a certain point, and I I basically spent a day just speeding to the end because I kind of wanted to see where the story was going to go. And so I made a lot of decisions that I regret now. Um, (laughs) Like I, there were, I just wanted to play to see what the end was like. And so I'm going back now and replaying and kind of making different decisions than I did on my first playthrough. So, okay. Yeah. I ended up siding with, uh, with yes, man, which basically just meant that it was, I was going to say that's what I'm probably going to do this next one. So, because uh, I, it's it's difficult to talk about this without doing spoilers. I feel like the game is new enough, like it's not even a year old, to where I don't want to spoil a, a lot of it. But yeah. the but those uh, conundrums that you face as you go down the different you know quest lines, mm-hmm. I, I never really felt comfortable with what I was doing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I really just kind of wished it was possible to to only side with the followers of the apocalypse, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I just I liked I liked them as a faction, but yeah, you know, they're pretty cool. Yeah, so so I mean, what 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 did you think about it? Kind of in the in the grand view compared to Fallout Three. Um, I mean, it's interesting. It's definitely like an obsidian obsidian sort of game where it's very uh, it's very story driven, and there's been so many times where it, it's either crashed or an animal's been stuck in the ground or something like that, and that. That's a little bit annoying, um, but thankfully it doesn't really detract from the story. So, I mean, it's it's pretty quality writing. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm really torn because, like, Fallout 3 had so many great experiences as well. My problem with Fallout 3, the original one, was there, the ending was very bad, I feel like. And I feel like the main storyline of Fallout 3 just kind of fell apart halfway through. Yeah. Um, whereas this one like keeps you playing until the very end. So I didn't like in Fallout Three and New Vegas address this. The the, the side quests seemed almost uh, secondary. I mean, yeah. ob- obviously they, they 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 were going to be secondary, but uh, because every side quest in New Vegas is associated with a, a faction. Yeah, and each faction is kind of tied in in some way to the main driving forces of the game. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, doing those side quests and pursuing those side quests that contributes to their to your progress and the <laughs> progress to your progress in the main progress. quest. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is which is which is neat because it, it makes the the entire world uh, feel a little bit less trivial. And the side quests in Fallout Three were amazing. Don't yeah. get me wrong, especially the the android hunt that was good. Also the uh, the vampire side quest, I really like that one as well. Which anyway. one was it? Which one's the Android hunt? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and also Oasis. I liked. I liked those. Th- th- those were all really, yeah. really good. You know, moments and side quests. Uh, I just didn't. You know, feel like they had much bearing, if at all, on the main thrust of the story. Yeah, they're definitely 
detached from the main storyline. Yeah. But yeah, so, that's that's a very good point. Who was your favorite uh um companion? Um that's a tough one. Uh one thing we were speaking about today is the the mission with Boone where you initially meet him or whatever and the mission is just bring somebody in front of the dinosaur and have them get shot. <laughs> and it's and it's like you can literally pick anyone, you know, and you can kind of choose someone to kill like for no reason. I thought that was an interesting attachment to the game. But, that uh, that quest broke for me because I was actually trying to find the person who yeah. he was he was you know attempting to kill, yeah. and uh, the the flags got messed up and uh, that quest was unwinnable. So I never got Boone as my uh, as my side companion, dude. Uh, what do you mean the flags got messed up? I just like the 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 way that the game checks to see what you've done. Okay. Um, like when I was doing my investigating, I did something out of order, and uh, it didn't register that I could give the hat to the person who did it. Uh, okay. Um, and I didn't. wait. You don't need you don't need to give the hat to them. You just need to wear the hat yourself. Well, I couldn't get her to follow me. Uh, I, c- okay. I couldn't get them to follow me. Him or her. Right. Um, <laughs> or so, it. Right. Exactly. Could have could have been a ghoul. Could have been a robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's just a seemingly benevolent robot. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I liked. I never got. I never got Boone. He seemed kind of whiny though. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I liked uh, arcade arcade Ganon. He was good, but I don't think I've gotten that person yet. No, where do I need to go? Uh, he's in the the again the followers of the apocalypse. He's in their camp. Uh, okay, so New Vegas. Any thoughts, David? The game looks like a lot of fun. It's probably going to be my next purchase. Um, and n- have, having never played any of them other than like the tutorial of the first game, just from the outside, it looks like they really. Um, streamline the the stats and some of that stuff which is something i'm a huge fan of yeah i would say yeah the stat system is really nice on it it is it kind of rivals the night shield republic from way back when i like the uh the gun uh um mechanic where you can customize your 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 weapon it's it's weird because I, I I roll the character basically like a gunslinger from the Stephen king books yeah um and so all of my guns the guns that i would use they would be revolvers Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of amassed these weapons that I, that, that, that I, you know, kind of fell back on and, you know, I, I raised my repair and I raised all that kind of stuff up to keep those particular guns maintained after I modified them and to make enough ammo. So I would roll in to any given situation and instead of like reloading a gun, I would just switch to a new one. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it'd just be like, you know, empty, uh, empty it out, switch to the next one, empty it out, switch to the next one, empty it out. And if I wasn't at a place where I could reload all of them after all of that, I was well and truly boned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, did, did you ever use that gun? Yes, I did. The one that's like Deckard's gun from uh, Blade Runner. It's pretty cool. It is. It's a good gun. David, what you been playing? Um, I've been playing uh, Deus Ex. I... I love the first Deus Ex game, and this one, um, I would say, is in a lot of ways better. Um, you know, they they finally got around the actual gameplay is really really good. Whereas in the previous one, um, you know, you kind of played more for the open world as opposed to the gameplay. Um, they made um, non-lethal a lot less annoying. You actually can have decent non-lethal um, weapons now. Okay. I just I, I love the animations for the for the non-lethal takedowns. Oh yeah, the the <laughs> Batman approach to. I won't I won't kill you, but I'll make sure you never walk again. <laughs> oh, I really want to know. Okay, this might be. My weird idiosyncrasy. I really want to know if they motion captured them, because if you look at um, if you look at a lot of the things, they won't work. Like if you look at mo- a lot of the joint breaks, he's not pressing against the joint. Like so, it, like any of the arm breaks, he's he's hitting it the way your arm actually bends on its own, so it wouldn't actually break. So I, I wonder if they're if they're uh, motion captured. Hmm. Sorry, that's that's I, my weird idiosyncrasies. But yeah, no, I I love them. The although the the lethal ones are also amazing. So so so, so, so yeah, they they made uh, non lethal stuff a, a a definite possibility. That 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, you know, I guess it's an interesting fact of the game that, um, you know, you can very easily um, play through the vast majority of the game without killing anyone. And um, I like the way they handled it because, you know, the, the characters, the NPCs you'll talk to will, you know, react um, based on how you approached your previous missions. Right. However, it seems a lot less in most games that do that. It's very it hits you over the head with it. You know, it's very much like you go to some you know your specific superior and it's like, oh, I like the fact that you didn't kill any, you know something like that. Where it's yeah. more just like random characters that'll comment. So like, you know, I the first mission, um, I didn't I didn't kill anyone, and so I'm just like walking through talking to the randomly generated NPCs and one of them comments that, you know, if he had done it he would have, you know, killed a couple people as a message. You know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean it's very well written. They whisper about you as you walk through the hallways. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so it sounds kinda of like a Mass Effect uh, approach almost, which is See, it it really reminds me a lot of Mass Effect. Um they something they did um the dialogue especially comes um across a lot like that what i really like is that um when you have um any dialogue options um if you hold your mouse over it it'll actually show what you will say um so oh. that there's less just random surprises Okay. Yeah. But the, other, the other thing I like, though, is that they have, um, for the actual what it says on the button, they have some, like, tag word that is the, ran- is the general approach. So it, it might be, like, um, confront, inform, um, placate, yeah. stuff like that. And so, um, and the, actually, when you're doing the, trying to um, resolve a... Um, situation um via people skills or whatever you have to you know use these different um approaches and then see how the character reacts and to figure out the um best way to you know what it is what type of appeals they um respond to and it's it's very very well done it you know comes across i would say fairly um fairly convincingly you know if if you think of how the characters um act and choose based on that you'll generally get it right huh and you can augment you can get augments that facilitate that it reads their like biological signals see and i guess that's actually the thing is um you i i have more than enough augment points to get whatever i want but i actually don't buy that one because i enjoy um, figuring it out on my own so much. Have you played L.A. Noir? No, I haven't. It, it, for, although from what I've read, it sounds kind of similar. Yeah, I mean, just if, if if you do like, you know, trying to get a read on a person and figure out how to react based on that, that that might be a worthwhile experience for you, actually. That yeah. is the majority of what you do in L.A. Noir. Right. Nice. Just uh, I, I just as a say, side. Um, the one downside to that is that the although most of the characters' voice acting is fairly good, the main character's voice acting is deplorable. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's basically every line. Do you not like my voice? <laughs> David? <laughs> you're going like, to talk about me. You're talking to Batman or something. You're going to talk about me to my face. <laughs> I've got but, sunglasses um, built into my head. I see. I never that that really confused me because in the first game they actually explain why you wear sunglasses at all times because you have um the inf- basically your eyes glow. Mm-hmm. But so you know you're trying to hide the fact that you're augmented. But in the sequel, when your sunglasses pop out of your head, I think that's kind of a giveaway. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes away your uh, takes away your ability to do that dramatic gesture that either putting on or taking off of sunglasses. The David Caruso. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they, actually, they are retractable, so there is some of that. But well, but it's kind of like trying to slam a cordless phone. You know, what's what, what's 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 more like you, you know uh, 
uh, effective here. Dear God. Takes off sunglasses. Dear God. Presses button. Sink. You know, it's, it just it doesn't. I don't get it. But um, <laughs> the other the other thing um thing that's kind of noteworthy the graphics are amazing. Um, they basically the graphics in the game are done to be kind of a combination of like a Victorian style aesthetic, but with like a cyberpunk feel. Yeah. So it's it looks very cool. It's it's one of the few situations where the extravagant costume design hasn't pissed me off. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I do love the fact that you're, um, as one review put it, you know, the the world's biggest badass in floral print trench coat. Yep. <laughs> but the one thing that does have to be said is the boss fights are awful. Really? Uh, across the board, that's what people have been saying. Well, because the problem is that. Um, uh, two, I've gone only through the first one. The two things that piss me off is um, I set up my character to be a combination like stealth, hacking, um, sniper, you know, those sorts of skill sets. The non-confrontation, yeah. Right. Um, but it then forces you to just do like, a, um, you know, just straight up um, first person shooter thing. And you're fighting a guy literally with a chain gun for an arm that can kill you in approximately three seconds of fire. And you're not rolled for that. Right. The The other thing that pissed me off is um, the the reason I do stealth one of them is there's a experience bonus if you make it through a um, level without ever alerting a guard. Mm-hmm. And there's experience bonus if you make it through the level without ever being seen. So the alerting the guard, you know, they could theoretically hear you, be alerted, but not see you. Mm-hmm. So I make it through this entire level um, doing that, which took literally, like, hours. But then since the last fight is just straight up, you know, you're automatically in a fight, there's no experience bonus. So that, that kind of pissed me off. Weak. See, that's something... But, I mean, I, it's almost like I kind of wonder why they did it. Just because the whole rest of the game, there's no, like, it wasn't asking for that. That's a problem. I mean, the nearest, like, comparison for this game, aside from Deus Ex 1, is is uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which is a fantastic sure. game. If you can get it to run on your PC, you should definitely check it out. But Masquerade's Bloodline, it's an amazing game, gives you a tremendous amount of choice in how you build your character. But then if you don't have a specific build at the very end of the game, the types of enemies that you're fighting, you can't oh, yeah. you, you can't kill them. You have to be rolled melee in order to, you know, beat the enemies and the final boss that you that you meet at the end of the game. So it's like you spent all this time making this elastic world and this you know, this kind of elastic flow of play and how you know how you determine you know your your specific agency within the rules that they give you and then they take that away and punish you for making the wrong choice at the very end you know when in all reality they could have done a bioware thing where you know the bosses you could talk them out of fighting you you could right. pull you know you could you could talk them into killing themselves or talk them into you know going away or you could sneak past them or you could you know hack into the system that's in that room and you know at least make it easier for yourself you know just like there's so many ways that they could have you know designed their way around that based on the the choices that they could have made because realistically you know the 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 different trees that you roll those are different solutions to the problems do i hack do i sneak do i shoot do i talk and they could say, okay, how do you beat this guy by hacking? How do you beat this guy by talking? How do you beat this guy by sneaking? How do you beat this guy by shooting? And by railroading you into the shooting choice every single time, it seems cheap. Yeah, sure. The other thing I'll say is um, if you like the conspiracy theory, you know, kind of um, problems, or well. And I you know, do. The, yeah, <laughs> the, the figuring out um, what's going on, that's another thing that, I feel like it does very strongly because you can get, you know, as you hack stuff like that, you can get just thousands or whatever of emails. Mm-hmm. And, um, but none of them, a lot of them will relate. And if you follow through them, um, will tell kind of mini storylines. But I love that none, stuff. but, but yeah, but none of them actually reference, um, you know, directly. So, you know, they'll, you know, one of them will reference killing someone, 
and you know hiding the body the other one will reference someone trying to find someone who disappeared you know stuff like that yeah hmm. um they really did a good job of um getting the talk um uh conservative talk radio as someone who <laughs> likes conservative talk talk radio um <laughs> They're, they're still, their caricature of it is both hilarious and completely spot on. <laughs> did, they, did they get Alex Jones in on this? Uh, not that, no, no, not quite, but... Because Alex Jones, he, he's, he's interesting for, for as much as his opinions are deplorable to me. Um, <laughs> his, his, his presentation, it's fascinating. Let me link that video to you. Sure. I refuse to go along with this, and I'm seeing through all of your lies, Barack Obama, you wicked, wicked devil! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's about, that's honestly about what. <laughs> It uh, the game actually does manage to have fairly pretty good message or issues they're trying to raise, especially with um. Sorry, this may or may not be podcast approved, but especially with the recent you know healthcare debates mm-hmm. stuff like that, it really does a good job of touching on some of the I would say kind of some of the issues that worry both sides. Well, the, uh, first, the, the first game was actually pretty prescient in that because a large plot point was there's this disease that has been unleashed on the population and only, and only uh, the wealthy can afford the antidote to it. See, and this is, um, this is actually a similar thing where it's more than the idea of the, the augments. So the okay. idea that um, oh, only the um, – only wealthy people can um, afford the cybernetic implants to make them literally smarter, better, stronger than everyone else. And so only the wealthy can afford to control their evolution. So there's right. so, so, we, so the, we hasten towards the, the, the time machine where we have Morlocks and elf people. Right. <laughs> but then the other side being that um, – and it's actually – as someone who um, – the other side of this is um, – Implant um, medical electronic implants is one of the main things I studied in my um, optional college courses. Um, and one of the things that is very accurate is the fact that in the storyline, they have to then take immu- uh, immune suppressants in order to keep from rejecting the implants. Mm-hmm. So they're then, uh, the other side of it is they're then hooked on, on the drugs that they have to have or, or their organs will fail. Okay. Huh. So, I mean, it does a good job of pulling in some of the ideas of, you know, on the one hand, you know, are the drug companies, you know, the drug companies that you're working for arguing that, you know, they're by allowing everyone to be equal versus the, because, you know, they have access to these medicines versus the idea are people becoming less equal because of unequal access, you know, stuff like that. Right. So. I like it when games tackle social issues, uh, you know, and this kind of seems to be, uh, you know, targeting that, which is which is neat. I also like the idea of human futurism, which is yeah, which is I'm, an interesting I'm a topic. Big fan of it, the transhumanism. Yeah, transhumanism. That's what I was trying to say. So I need to, I need to sink some time into this. I, I just uh, I was kind of daunted by it at first. Um, I didn't know if I was ready to commit to it, but uh, eventually so. here. Uh, maybe in a lull at some point, whenever that lull may be, uh, I'll probably check it out because it did seem to, to to be great. But fellas, we are over time. Oh, we did you say sweet, David? Sweet, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> We're almost done. That was episode number 128 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games. What's so funny? What's so funny, Dave? Are you watching the Alex Jones video again? <laughs> no, I'm what you know, YouTube does the whole like then videos related to this. <laughs> and as you can imagine, anything that has both Alex Jones and Super Saiyan, there's no shortage of 
Just very weird videos. <laughs> I love that. You can fall down a hole with that. Just like you can fall down a hole with all the great programming that is on DuckFeed.tv. So if you're interested in more fantastic programming like this, go to DuckFeed.tv. Check out more episodes of our program if you like video games. Uh, you can like us on Facebook from there. Uh, it's tremendously appreciated. We just had uh, one of our super fans, Sasha. She, uh, she tweeted me a photo of her at an Apple store looking us up on the Apple TV and um, leaving that on display for everybody to see. Um, am I encouraging this uh, behavior? No. But uh, I will could say it, that it made my day. Yeah. Could, it, could it be the new planking? Maybe. Maybe. I think so. I think this could take off. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that, Ben. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're being proactive with it. Let's make this a global <laughs> phenomenon. But uh, Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Cole Ross, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. Um, and neither of you too, so that is um, a moot point. Moot toots. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in general, you can also look at, uh, if you like video game programming, you can check out Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a video game podcast that I do with Gary Butterfield of Dead Idea Valhalla. It's about retro games. Uh, next week, from the, sh- from, from the time you're listening to this, uh, we're going to be talking about Myst. So if you have any final thoughts about the, uh, the, the, the Myst franchise, be sure to uh, leave some of that, uh, some of those comments on our Facebook page there. And I think that's everything I can say. Leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't had one in a minute. So uh, all of that is greatly appreciated. But what I appreciate appreciate the most is you sticking around and listening to us. So for Stan Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, this has been your host, Cole Ross. Ben Merkel. <laughs> David Meismith. And thank you so much.